Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Come on, Red Rocks Church, let's just lift up our voices. Jesus, we welcome you today. God, our hearts are excited and we're expecting about what you're gonna speak to us, the things that you're gonna reveal to us. God, the people that you're gonna set free today. God, that word hail literally means to greet enthusiastically. And so God, with great expectation in our hearts, Lord, we enlarge our capacity to receive from you today. God, would you let hope be restored today? Would you break chains today? Would you set people free today? Would you liberate the human soul? God, which was your one desire. It's why you came. It's why you died. It's why you sacrificed for us. So with enthusiasm today, Jesus, we welcome you. God, we're expecting about what you're going to do in this place, in and through us. God, I believe that we're in a move of God right now as Red Rocks Church and this movement is going global. And so, God, I just pray, would you just allow us as the church to receive it and to respond to what you're doing in the larger narrative of the world. God, we want to be a part of your agenda. We want to be a part of your story. We want to sacrifice greatly with great faith and expectation of the things that you're going to do. So God, with faith in our hearts, as broken and flawed human beings, Jesus, would you love us back to life today in every crazy expectant person at Red Rocks Church at all of our locations around Denver, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, and God behind bars said, amen, 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 amen. Come on, you can be seated. I'm going to dive right in. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to kind of unpack some things that God's been speaking and sharing to me over this last season. And I want to start by taking a look at Philippians 4, verse 4. And I'm going to take a look at it this weekend in the message version of the Bible because I love the way that it's paraphrased and I love the words that are used. And in Philippians 4, verse 4, it starts off this way. It says, celebrate God all day. Anybody want to be a part of that celebration? celebrate God all day. And then he says just emphatically every day. Yes, every day, not just Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and do it again on Sunday. And he says this, I mean, revel in him. I love that word revel because it's this lavish, reckless version of celebration. It's almost careless the, the amount of celebration that takes place that he's inviting us into. And it says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive and he could show up any minute. How many of you know we need a little bit of this unity that the body of Christ is showing to the world? We're on your side. We are for you. And not only that, but the God of all of creation is for you. He's on your side. Verse six, it says, don't fret. Lean to your neighbor and say, don't fret. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Anybody need your worries to be shaped into prayers or it's just me? 
He says, letting God know all of your concerns before you know it. Everybody say, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and it will settle you down. It's wonderful what happens, listen to this, when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. The verse I wanna pay attention to most clearly today is Philippians 4.4, to celebrate God all day, every day, I mean revel in him. If you wanna be first place in getting access to heaven and you're taking notes today, the title of my message for all you note takers is Teach My Soul to Revel. Teach my soul to revel. Jesus, we just commit ourselves before you. Speak to us, we pray. Teach us, God, what it means to revel in this life, a world that feels near impossible to have daily celebration or even a reason to celebrate. God, would you instruct us through your word what it looks like to revel in you and have joy unspeakable, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said well, I just got to have some time off over the, the, the month of July, took some extended time to just get away with my family, refresh, recharge, push the, the restart button. And we went up to the mountains of Keystone here in Colorado, and it was amazing. Got to enjoy the mountains, fresh air, altitude, and we just fully disconnected from work. We fully disconnected from responsibility. Um, but I started noticing something a little bit strange, and maybe some of you can identify with me. But... A few days into this vacation, I started realizing I was getting a little angsty, started getting a little restless, started getting really irritable. I just felt rushed and hurried, and I didn't even know what for because I didn't have anything to do. And I don't know about you, but usually for me, getting into vacation mode takes some time for me to unwind. It takes some time for the stress to fall off. And I just started noticing how irritable I was getting. I was like yelling at my kids for really dumb things and things were getting on my nerves. And I, I, I started even getting to the point where the impatience in my life was so overwhelming that I'm like cooking things in the microwave, hoping that the seconds would go just a little bit faster. Like nothing is fast enough. Nothing is working. Nothing feels right. Nothing feels restful. And even the things that I was doing for rest, somehow I managed to turn into some form of an accomplishment. And our schedule wasn't full of enough good things and right things, and I wasn't resting good enough to, for how I wanted to be resting, and felt like nothing was really measuring up. Anybody else vacation like me, or am I all alone? I got a couple. I got a couple. And uh, one morning, I just woke up and told my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, listen, I, I, I kind of just need a few moments to myself. I need to get out. I need to take a walk. Give me 20 minutes to clear my head, get my heart rate up, you know, breathe some of the mountain fresh air because I just feel off. And so she's like, sounds awesome. So I'm tying up my shoes. And, and next thing I know, I hear my wife yell to, to the rest of my family, hey, kids, who wants to go on a walk with your daddy? <laughs> And of course, I wanted them to join me. I'm an amazing dad and pastor. So I pulled my wife aside. I'm like, babe, I want to go alone. Like, I just need some me time. I need some daddy time, okay? I need to clear my head, get my heart rate up, and I'll be back, and I'll be present the rest of the day. I just need a few moments alone. So we all went on a walk together. 
And on this walk, I, I kid you not, before we left the driveway, my kids are looking and they're enamored by all the wildflowers that are everywhere. And they, they are beautiful, but we're not here to sightsee. We're here to get a walk done. Heart rate up, mountain air in the lungs, clear the mind. And so my, my daughter's pointing out all these wildflowers. And, and the, the, the frustrating part to me is that they're all the same wildflower. So we'll take a few more steps. And she says, Daddy, look. And she deemed them princess flowers. There's, a, there's another princess flower. And I'm like, babe, there's thousands of them. Just look. And so we take a few more steps. Dad, another princess flower. She's stopping and looking at them. And so I finally pick her up because I'm like, I don't have time for the princess flowers. So we catch up to my little son. His name's Rive. And he's, he's down on uh, squatting down, looking at the floor. And he's like, Dad, bugs. I'm like, those are called ants, son, and there's trillions of them, and they're super annoying. And we'll stop in a walk, and he's like, Dad, more bugs. And I'm like, we're walking. <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm picking up both my kids walking down the road because I have an agenda in mind. Daddy needs some time. I got to clear my head. I need to get my heart rate up. I needed some alone time, and it wasn't happening. And we finally get to the river, and our kids are like, let us walk, Dad. So I put them down, and they go darting down the path along this river. It's the most incredible walk. It's probably my favorite place to walk and so tranquil. And I'm like, finally, they're running down the path. We're going to get somewhere. And they stop right when they get to a bunch of boulders and they start climbing. And I'm like, great. Why shouldn't we climb some boulders this morning too? Let's just take our time this morning. And they're climbing boulders, and I'm just like angsty, and I'm, that's not normally me. Normally, I'm like fun button dad. I'm reckless dad. I'm like, break something, get in the mud, do something, and I'm, I'm so irritable on the inside, and I'm trying to hold it together, and I look over at my perfect wife, and she's just like, look how cute they are. They're so sweet. My little angels are having so much fun. This, this season is going to pass. I don't want it to pass, and I'm sitting like, I want it to pass. So they finally get down. I'm like, kids, remember, we're all out here to get some fresh air and clear our heads and get the heart rate up. Let's go. And they climb down off the rocks only to stumble upon a field of, of, of river rocks to throw every single one of them into the river. And upon every throw, when the, water, when the, when the stone hits the water, it makes a splash, and they are celebratory. They're like, did you, Dad, did you see that one? I'm like, yes, water splashes when you throw a rock on it. <laughs> and I, 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 I will stop the story there so you don't lose all respect in me. But I got back to the house that morning, and I went away to the bedroom, and I sat down in a chair in the corner, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? What, what's going on on the inside that I'm, I'm acting this way? Why am I so angry and volatile and impatient and... I can't be present, and I don't even know how to rest. So the next morning, I scheduled a Zoom call with my counselor. And I was just like, dude, I am a train wreck right now. I'm like, I don't know how to rest. Even when I try to shut my mind off, it, it, it has to wander to something. I have to dream about something, strategize on something, figure something out. I'm angsty. I'm irritable. Everything feels like a competition and a task to accomplish. I'm like, you should have seen me on a walk with my kids. I was like a, a task manager. You know, I'm like trying to get the, the walk done and they just want to play and they were climbing on the rocks and throwing rocks in the water and looking at bugs. And I'm like, help me. I don't know what's up. 
I don't know what's going on on the inside, but I hate it. It's not me. And in true counselor fashion, he said in a quiet and soft voice, why do you think that is? <laughs> the most obvious question to ask, but I didn't skip a beat, and I just began to unfold. I'm like, I feel like I'm just addicted to accomplishing things. I feel like I even have to turn rest into an accomplishment, and I've never really been able to fully unwind I don't even know what to do with myself, and now that I'm disconnected from work, I've lost every avenue to achieve, to win, to be celebrated. And he just began to ask these subtle questions, and he said this. He goes, Ronnie, is it because you feel like you don't deserve love apart from what you do? And I sat there for a moment. I'm like, I don't think that mentally I believed that, but... Everything in me right now is saying yes. I don't believe that I could be loved. I don't believe that I deserve to be loved if I'm not doing something that people are celebrating. And he said, when was the last time that you were able to just be and feel the peace and delight of God for you? And I was quiet because I couldn't remember a time in my life. And he said, Do you know that right now in this moment, God doesn't just love you just as you are in this moment, but do you know that he also enjoys you right now in this moment? Do you you know that, that, that God actually enjoys you? Because how many of you know, it's easy to know that somebody loves you positionally. Like, I know my dad loves me, but it doesn't really feel like he enjoys me. Doesn't really feel like he prefers me. And I was sitting there going, listen, I've preached a hundred messages on the love of God, but I don't know that I'm convinced that God actually enjoys me right now. I don't actually know that God enjoys me apart from what I do, the things that I accomplish, the things that I perform for his kingdom. And he says, listen, you feel like rest sabotages your ability to be celebrated and loved by God and by others, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So I fired him and I hung up. (laughs) But I realized something that day, sitting in that ottoman, I went, I'm a pastor, and I don't know that I know who God is in my life. I think I've missed it somewhere along the lines, and I have this disproportionate view of God that some of his characteristics are elevated higher than some of the others, and so I feel this strong sense of pressure around God, and and like I don't want to fail because you've forgiven me of so much, and you've given me these giftings, and so I got to use them so that you're not disappointed, and you're perfect, and I'm broken, and I feel all these tensions before God. I know that he's present and he's watching, but I feel like he's a little bit critical sometimes. And so internally, I've had this inability to rest, decompress, exhale, just be. Have you ever felt that? I can't just be. But one of the things that I realized that day sitting in that ottoman is that there was a quality of the character and the person of God that I had seemingly diminished almost to the point where it was absent altogether. And it's a quality and an attribute and a title that God actually gave to himself, and he called himself Father. 
And I wanna read for you in Romans 8.15. Listen to this. In Romans 8.15, it says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, meaning living under the watchful eye of your slave master as to not screw up, do exactly what he says or else, and not to get rewarded for your work. Your work is what you owe to me. Your work is what you're obliged to do for me. He's like, you don't have this spirit that makes you fearful slaves. But he said, instead, somebody say instead. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And then he says, and now we call him Abba Father. Friends, what I want to talk about today as it relates to being able to revel and celebrate in this life is this idea of God being the father of you. God being the Abba father, which is the most intimate form, the most intimate expression of a father. It's like calling him daddy, the one who's close to me, the one who loves me. And I want to talk to you about why this is so important, because what, what the writer of Philippians would say is there's something that takes place when you displace the worries in your life and make Christ central. One of the key attributes of being able to do this, to relinquish the worries from your life, I believe is seeing God as father at the center of your life. And I want to show you why this is important today. My good friend Eric showed me this chart. And he says, listen, most people approach these questions and these statements the wrong way. The very first and primary thing that we got to do, Red Rocks Church, is be able to clearly identify who God is in our life. And what this looks like, he said, is it's this this process of like a gem, twisting it and turning it and looking at all the dimensions. He says, what you begin to do is, is circle around this idea of who God is all of his qualities, his expressed character and attributes in my life, and it leads us to this assumption of who I am, not based upon what I do, but based upon who God is. Now, this is so paramount, and I want to tell you why this is so paramount, because what begins to happen is as you begin to discover who you are in light of who God is, you are formed. There's something about a father that when you give birth to a child, or a mother gives birth to a child, you carry all of their attributes, your looks, your feelings, your expressions, your wiring, all come and are connected to your father, So here's where this was designed. God's going, listen, I want you to call me Abba Father because everything about your life stems from who I am. When God made human beings, he said, we will fashion them and form them in our image and in our likeness. You cannot define for yourself who you are apart from who God is. What begins to happen is once you have clarity, you begin going through life circling, knowing who you are in light of who God is, which leads you to this conclusion. Now, based upon who God is, I know who I am. Therefore, I know what I must do. And then the circle continues. In light of who God is and who I am because of God, I now know what I can do. And that that, that story continues through this lifelong venture leading into eternity of discovering who you are in light of the goodness and the greatness of God. 
But what I realized is I've been going through this as a pastor in the most inappropriate way. I flipped it on its head. And what I began to do is I go, listen, I'm going to try to find something to do that gets people to celebrate me. That gets people to, 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 to praise the things that I accomplished, to get people to love me because I want to earn their right to love me. So everything for me has started with what do I do to get that love? What do I got to do to get that affirmation? What do I got to do to be celebrated both by humans and by God? And as I circled around that, I began to find things that people celebrated and I clinged into them. I leaned all in, and it led me to believe some untruths about who I am. I am my success. I'm a public speaker. I'm a good leader. I'm a pastor. I'm a problem solver. Fill in the blanks. What I want to lead you to believe is, do you do that also? Have you leaned into the areas of your life that you have been celebrated compensated and rejoiced over? And have you framed up because of what you do? Have you defined who you are? Because if you do that, the next natural progression is you begin to identify and determine in and of yourself based upon what you do, who this God is. And friends, that is the epitome of idolatry, creating a God in your image, in your likeness, Based upon what you feel and what you think and what you believe, you have now grafted this God and it is completely upside down. So we have to be able to effectively go, who is God? And based upon who this God is, what does that mean about me? And, and in light of who God is and who I am, what then should I go and do with my life? Anybody wondered, what am I called to do? What, what am I supposed to do that would bring God most glory? And I want to show you one more chart. Let's fill in the blanks. Can we fill in the blanks? Any nerds out there that's like, yes, fill in the blanks. Got a couple of you. I see you, Linz. Nerd. <laughs> so we need to ask the question, who is God in light of Scripture? We're going to spend some time unpacking this. But I want you to lean in today to the truth that what Scripture refers to, and when God's looking at us relationally, the context that he gives to us is a family dynamic. He says that I am your father. Friends, who God is for us is a loving and a gracious and a caring father. What's beautiful about the integrity based on last week's message with Pastor Doug, if you didn't hear that, go and listen to it. It was amazing. But based upon God's character is that every attribute, every personality that God has attributed to in scripture, they all work in tandem. So God as a judge cannot be in conflict with God as your father. God is a, a forgiver and a redeemer and a counselor and a provider and a healer. It cannot be in conflict with God as a father. He is one. He is integrous. And so every attribute that you can look at, run it through the lens of yes, but he is also my kind and gracious and loving father. And from scripture, we can leads us to the conclusion that based upon God as my father, I'm the child that he enjoys. I didn't want to put just loved. Because some of you know what it feels like to be loved, but it feels like that person has to love you. Their grandma. They have to love me. Their dad. They have to love me. They're my kids. 
but it's different. It's a step further when somebody actually enjoys you just the way that you are. And it leads us to this interesting conclusion from scripture that based upon God as my father and me and you as the child that he enjoys, our job, what we do, what you are primarily called to do in every facet of your life is to enjoy and glorify the Father. Now, if you're like me, you have some trouble going like, what does it actually mean to enjoy? And is that really in scripture? I want to spend some time looking at some, some Bible verses to make this really clear. In John 10, 10, it gives the literal purpose of why Jesus came. And you can see joy written all over it. John 10, 10 says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But he said, my purpose, everybody say, my purpose Jesus says, my purpose is different. It's to give them a rich and a satisfying life. I wonder, do you feel like your life right now is rich and satisfying? If not, what's keeping you from what Jesus intended to give to you? Because he said, my purpose is to give humanity a rich and a satisfying life. As I was studying for this, I was reminded of something that I learned long ago about some, some doctrines that were outlined in something called the Westminster Catechism. It's a smart way of saying a group of people were going, listen, God's doing some stuff through us. Let, let's put together an outline of everything that we believe about God. All of our core doctrines about theology and things that we're pulling from God's word, let's put it into a paper, a synopsis of what we believe, and the chief instruction, the chief doctrine that led the charge for all of them, they said, what is the chief end of man? And in 1640, they came up looking at the whole of scripture at what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end and ambition for the life of a human being that calls himself a Christ follower. And this is what they came up with in the Westminster Catechism. The chief end of man says man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Friends, can I tell you something really amazing about God? You cannot glorify him properly without enjoying him because he's a father. Every good father wants their kids to enjoy them, not just obey them. And every obedience clause within scripture is connected to your ability to enjoy God forever. Your enjoyment, friends, matters to the heart of God. It is central to why he came and died upon a cross. He said, I want to give them life to the full. I want to give them a rich life and an abundant life where, where joy is overflowing. It matters to the heart of God that you joy, that you revel in his love for you. The ambition for your life is to glorify God in deep connection to your enjoyment of him. I want to show you a picture as I close today with one final story, and I want to challenge us on a few thoughts. But as I was sitting with my counselor, he said, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to go on another walk with your kids. But have a different goal in mind this time. What I want you to do is, is go on a walk with no agenda other than to watch your kids. He said, it, what's gonna happen is I want your, your kids to teach you how to enjoy life with the Father. He said, you wanna know why they climbed on those boulders? Because they thought it'd be fun. You wanna know why they were taking pebbles and throwing them into the river and celebrating every time it splashed? It's because they thought it would be fun. All that your kids wanna do is have fun with their dad. They just wanna enjoy you. Just wanna be with you. Want you to be present. So I set out on a walk with my four-year-old daughter, Ara, two-year-old son, Rive, and the little diddle, Oaks. And I set out on a pilgrimage to learn to enjoy my life. And this time it was totally different. I just watched how they were enamored with the simplest of things. Things caught their attention, and the moment that it, it sparked joy in their life, the first person they looked to was their dad. I want you to see what I'm seeing. I want you to celebrate what I'm celebrating. I want you to find joy in what I'm finding joy and have fun with me. And I had a profound moment with my son, Rive. I have a picture of him that I think we're going to put up. my son and this was him playing in that river and it was really special to me because he's um he's my namesake he's little ronnie the fourth and as i watched him i just went man i've gotten this wrong for so long I've been fighting for reasons to give to God on why he should enjoy me and prefer me and loved me. And I watched my son throwing rocks into the water and celebrating it with him. He threw the rocks like two feet. You know, he's not like a professional baseball player. He was throwing them two feet, and he was handing me these ordinary river rocks, and he's like, Dad, this one's cool. Keep this one. So I'm putting them. I got rocks in my pockets, and I'm waddling around, and they're finding little pieces of broken plastic and garbage on the floor and going, Dad, I found a treasure in the rocks. So I'm loading my pockets up, and I'm going, this is exactly how God sees me. My greatest accomplishments in life are like throwing pebbles into a river. And he's proud of me. 
Anything that I could accumulate and, and acquire, my greatest possession, the thing I, I prize most in this life are like broken pieces of plastic, and God celebrates it. He's not impressed with my success. He's not impressed with what I can achieve and accomplish. He is the God of the universe. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The whole world is his. Why are we trying to impress God? And I just sat there watching my son going, God, I see it now. This is how you see me. You take so much joy because even in my small accomplishments and my small achievements, God, the thing that you delight in most is that you're there with me. And you know, I want you to be here with me also. As I was sitting there, I was reminded of a passage of scripture in Mark 6, 25 through 26. And tell me that you don't just read this and think about a child. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, aka glorifying God, he's like, this is how it happens. He said, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table during mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food that you put into your stomach, more than, than, than your outer appearance, than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds. They're just free and unfettered. They're not tied down to a job description. They're, not, they're just careless in the care of God. And oh yeah, you count far more to me than the birds. Friends, my, my kids are never worried about where the groceries are coming from. They don't care if they're wearing Gucci or hand-me-downs. They don't think about it. Why? Because they're just careless. My dad's got me. He's going to care for every one of my needs. I don't have to impress him with what I wear and what I eat and how I provide. He's my provider. I'm careless in his care of me. This is the invitation of the Father. He's going, listen, if you want to experience the kingdom, you got to start acting a lot more like a kid. you got to start being way more carefree in my care of you. I don't care how bad your situation is, friends. The joy that you can experience with the Father far outweighs every difficult situation that you're facing right now in your life. And he's going, would you just let me care for you? I want you to hear this. This is... This is Jesus speaking, and band, you can come up. There's this story in scripture about Jesus, and he, he, I've never really understood it until I was preparing for this message and while I was away on my, my, my vacation. And, and in Mark 10, verse 13, it says this, that the people brought children to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them, and his disciples shooed them away. But Jesus was irate and let them know it. He said, don't push these children away. Don't ever get between me and them. And listen, he says, these children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. He said, mark this. Put it in your notes. Take a voice recording. He says, mark this. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you will never get it. He mic dropped, and then it says, then he gathered the children up into his arms, and he laid 
his hands of blessing on them. Friends, if you want to walk in the kingdom, you want to walk in the God reality of your life, Jesus says there is one thing that is paramount. If you want to experience this, you got to remember what it's like to be a child. You got to remember what it's like to live carefree before God. You got to remember what it's like when there's nothing to prove, nothing to earn. There's no job title or description that you need to acquire or attain. You are okay in his care for you. He said, if you want to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, you got to be like a kid. Friends, if we want to revel in this life, and I mean revel in it, we got to start acting like some kids again. And I know for many of you, you have some brokenness in your childhood, like every single one of us, moments that have scarred you, moments where you didn't feel that vulnerability, you actually had things robbed from you and stolen from you, you had hurts and pains all the way from the time that you're a child, and God is going, I want to restore you to the vulnerability of what it's like to be a child with a loving father who cares for you. At all locations, would you stand to your feet? Because I want to charge us with something, and I want to tell us why this matters. There is a world of people that are craving fullness, and they can't find it. They're restless and anxious. They got something to prove, and they never get the celebration their souls are longing for. They never get the love that their souls are craving, and God's going, listen, I'm your father. I'll give it to you freely. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to behave properly. Even when my kid screws up, I am never disappointed in them. I never would cast them aside and call them no longer my children. I still enjoy them. I guide them. I correct them. But it's found in the context of an enjoying and a loving father. Friends, I want to invite us into this. Church, I believe that we are in days of revival. Days of revival literally just means that our souls are coming alive again. And I think it's going to look differently than it's looked in days of past. And I want to call us to be children again. I want to call us to give recklessly like children. You know who's the most generous in my family? My kids. They didn't pay a cent for the things that they give away. But they know my dad can buy another one. I'll get another lollipop and a stuffed animal another day because my daddy's just that good. I want to have generosity as a church like a child again. I want to love people without conditions like a child again. I want to stop caring about job descriptions and promotions and more zeros and commas in a bank account. I want to be like a child again. This is what the world is craving is a vulnerability and a fullness of life. And this is what our church is going to embody. And I just want to call you, be like a child again and learn to revel in the goodness of a God that enjoys you. God, at every location, I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for some people. Jesus, you know the chaos in our souls. And God, I pray today that you would displace worry at the center of our life today. Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We cry out to you, and we just say, heal us from the innermost parts of our being. God, restore us. Teach us what it looks like to be true children, fashioned and formed by the image of their dad, the care, the authority of their father. Restore us, we pray.
And God, I pray that we would step into these days with a different view and a different appreciation of what it actually looks like to walk out in the kingdom of God. And God, I wanna pray for every person in one of our buildings watching online under the sound of my voice that has never seen you as daddy, as father, as savior, and as Lord, as redeemer of our lives, forgivers of our souls, the worst and darkest moments of our life, cleaning them and wiping them away. God, your word says is all that we have to do is believe that you are who you say you are, that you died for us in all of our brokenness to clean us, to heal us, but ultimately, Lord, to connect us relationally back with the Father, to enjoy him and to glorify him forever. And if you're in one of our locations and you've never done that, I wanna invite you to do something physically as a sign of what God is doing right now in your heart spiritually. If you want to invite Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Father of your life to heal you and lead you into life to the full, I want to invite you to raise up your hand at all of our locations. Nobody's looking around. Lift them up at every location. Come on, come on. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you go back to the heart of the Father and get back into relationship with who He is. God, I pray for every single person, God, right now committing to follow you, committing to this new life, acting like a child before a perfect and a loving father. God, would you heal us and restore us? Would you make all things new, we pray. And everybody at Red Rocks Church celebrated as we celebrate the lives that are transitioning from death to life, from orphans to children of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. God, today we celebrate you and we worship you. God, give us hearts and eyes and spirits like children. God, we wanna take this message forth with boldness and passion, and I just am crazy enough to believe you're looking for kids to do so. And so God, no matter how old we are, would you restore us to our youth? Would you restore us to our purity, our vulnerability? And God, under your authority, we just say we give you permission to enjoy us just the way we are. Come on, Red Rock Church. Let's lift up our voices and thank God for his goodness and let us celebrate today.